0: Somewhere out there is the Confederate Army. They claim they are fighting for their independence, for their freedom. Now, I cannot question their integrity. I believe they are wrong, but I cannot question it. But I do question a system that defends its own freedom while
1: it denies it to others, to an entire race of men. I will admit it, Tom, war is a scourge, but so is slavery. It is the systematic coercion of one group of men over another.
0: It has been around since the book of Genesis. It exists in every corner of the world. But that is no excuse for us to tolerate it here when we find it right before our very eyes in our own country.
1: What do you call this color?
0: It is the sign of our provider. By the color of the lights, it can be known who holds us. When you are vended, you will also have a
1: color. Vended? You mean bought, So.
0: When you are developed, the provider who offers the most Kwatlus puts his color on us. Mm. Our race has another name for it. Slavery. Let my people go.
1: Slaves are mine. Their lives are mine. All that they own is mine. I do not know your God. Nor will I let Israel go.
0: Well, happy Father's Day, everybody, in the land of... It's still raining, Rod. It's now almost the end of June. It's still raining in Washington State. I'm Dave.
1: And indeed, I'm from the land of Heat Wave City. It's coming, and this is Rod. Ugh. And it's not raining here, and it won't be raining here anytime soon. No, it won't. I kind of missed out. I kind of don't. We're going to get about four straight days of 100+. plus. Right now,
0: four to five. Uh, we got a heat wave coming in. The high is going to be Tuesday. This scintillating radio here, the weather report for Silverdale, Washington. Uh, we're going to get up to a high of 80 on Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't feel bad about that, but I, but I kind of do. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's one of those things where we kind of got to go, well, you know, there you go. I mean, it won't matter anyway because... The world's supposed to end today. You know that, right? It is? Yes. Today is, is. The, today is the end of the world. Uh, I'm not kidding about this. I was, I was a little surprised when I saw it. But apparently the people who read the Mayan calendar a few years ago back in, was that 2012? Oh, something it's that like long. that. Has it been eight years ago? Apparently they got it wrong. And it <laughs> wasn't December 12, 2012. It's today, June 21st, 2020.
1: Are, are these scientists that got it wrong? Well, I would assume so, but I don't. Believers. Who else reads ancient Aztec or Mayan?
0: Sorry, I want to get my ancient civilizations messed up. I mean, I don't read it. Do you? No. no. So I haven't even tried other than ancient pre-Columbian languages. I, 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 you know, I would assume that they are scientists of that sort, but I don't know. So anyway, they got it wrong. And today is the today's the end of the world. I don't know. What I don't know is when this is supposed to happen.
1: Honestly, yeah. I mean, with an international (laughs) dateline, it's already tomorrow in some places. places. So
0: So, uh, if you take it where the Mayans were, you know, in Central South America, um, noon has already passed here. Midnight has already passed here. You know, for consistency's sake, don't you kind of want it on a cardinal time instead of a...
1: Uh, I would think so. I mean, if their calendar is so precise, why can't they tell us the time?
0: Right, because it wouldn't or, say,
1: or like at least the position of the
0: sun. Right, twelve thirty-three or something, in eighteen seconds, and I don't know. This is that's why I don't trust the Mayans. I don't. Uh, I don't.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite. TV I, I had to shows. return my Mayan watch because it wasn't that accurate.
0: <laughs> one of my favorite TV shows back in like 2010, 2011, was some show that they put on. I can't even remember the name of the. It was either the History Channel or... I mean, it was a serious scientific channel back when they actually showed science. And they had this scientist, uh, well, this, this world traveler named Jim Turner was his name. And not the, okay. not the guy that kicked the field goal, the three field goals in Super Bowl three. Different Jim Turner. Um, but he uh, had somewhere between the Marshalls, the Marshall Islands, and the Solomon okay. Islands. This is what the guy said. He was traveling somewhere between the Solomons and the Marshall Islands. Go look at a map. You'll get what I'm saying in a second here. He discovered something. And so they were going to go investigate what he found somewhere between the Solomons and the Marshall Islands, which for those of you who aren't looking at a map because I told you to Google it, those are small island chains in the central and western Pacific. There's like a third of the earth between them. OK, yeah, <laughs> So he goes, they follow him down to Chile. He gets in a boat and a day and a half later, a day and a half boat ride from Chile, which is in South America, sure. nowhere near the Solomons or even the Marshalls. A day and a half later, they land on an island, which is where he discovered he made his discovery, which confirmed the ancient Mayan, Mayan calendar apocalypse. Right. So they follow sure. this thing. It's this beach landing out of the Marines. I mean, it, it looks like it, it, it's just... It's beautifully filmed. I mean, it's one of the most awesome travel documentaries I've ever seen. They go on a three-day hike over these hills, these rough hills, wind blowing everywhere, to get to this rock that's shaped like a snail. And he claims (laughs) claims that this was carved by the ancient Mayans as part of the 2012 calamity prediction that this was one of the few spots on Earth where you could go and survive the calamity coming on December 21st, 2012. And I'm not making this okay. part up. It involved ancient Mayan priests smoking something, probably peyote, and impaling okay. their manhoods with, uh, with sharp sticks to get themselves into the right mindset to make this. Pre- I'm not making any of this
1: Something up. tells me that they didn't, they didn't have fun recruiting people to that no. priesthood. I think the name <laughs> of this thing was Apocalypse Island.
0: Anyway, it's fantastic because it turns out that the island is um, is Robinson Crusoe Island. Okay. It's like it's like 200 miles from Buenos Aires or from the coast of Chile. It's one of the hottest tourist spots in the South Pacific Ocean. There's <laughs> there's an airport there that the film crew flew into, and this rock is right on the main hiking path. That's about two miles long. Right outside the mansion. Anyway, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. But that's it, it, that. You know, the whole Mayan apocalypse thing was c- encapsulated to me in that because people he sure. wanted people to buy his book for
1: 1999. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure the the it was subsidized in part by the island and the tourist bureau.
0: Yeah, I'm not so sure that they did. I'm not. I kind of got the impression they didn't even know he was there. <laughs> they probably <laughs> they probably were kind of like, why is this idiot landing on the beach over there? But he could just pull into the port and get off at the dock. Anyway, so 2012 turned out to be a bust. And now we're told that today is the day. But, of course, no one knows if that's going to be the case or not. And then The Guardian reported this week, because, you know, if you're not reading The Guardian, you're just missing out on a lot of good stuff. Sure. Uh, The International Energy Agency chief... Says that we've got six months to avert a climate crisis, and if we don't do this in six months, we're we're toast. The the world is going to end, and there's nothing we can do about it, and six months, and
1: and that's it. I am so tired of the fear-mongering. Everything is fear-mongering. Well, yeah. It's the, what we call the FUD factor in security. It's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I mean, you can get a lot of funding for things when you when you oh. promote things by fear, <laughs> uncertainty, and doubt. You think, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it's just it gets old. Come on, people. Yeah, let's think.
0: I think you're looking at this wrong, though, I, 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 Rod. I, I think you should look okay. at this a different way. I mean, okay. let's say the world does end in six months. Sure. Okay. Or we can't do anything in six months, or whatever. There's good news and there's bad news, right? All like right, I like right. to say, my favorite Alan Hale line from from the submarine movie, that you got one of two things to worry about, okay? And that's it. That's all you got to You just have one of two things to worry about. The good news is, I mean, if you look at it, well, the bad news. Let's start with the bad news. Yeah, I always start with the bad news. Six months, we still have to go through an election season. Ugh, okay. So even with the world coming to an end, Today, either via the Mayans or when six months via the—we well, still have to go through the election.
1: So the question will be, though, in, in within six months, how much more memory will Joe Biden have lost?
0: Because it seems to be, be getting
1: progressively worse.
0: Yeah, it's—see, uh, so, so we got six more months of that. And yeah. how many Trump—how many people will Trump kill with COVID at his rallies? And how many governors will violate
1: the First Amendment and say, you can't come here and— Hey, we should start a a quote-unquote bet. How many tweets between now and the end of six months by the president?
0: Oh, Lord. Tweets or tweets about? It's like finding jelly
1: beans in a jar, right? Counting jelly beans in a jar.
0: The problem with that is one of the two of us is going to have to – one of you is going to have to count those. Because I'm not Uh. going (laughs) to.
1: You win. There's got to be (laughs) – hey, there's got to be an online service that can count the number of tweets within a given time. I'll have to look for that. Can you imagine how bored those people must be with life? Well, it's a lot of algorithms, right? Just, okay, give me this one Twitter Twitter handle, and okay, count the tweets.
0: Right, but I've got an article here from Pocket about the embedded biases and algorithms and how the algorithms themselves can can be biased against things, so no help there, man. Anyway, that's know. the bad news. The, that's the bad news. If the world ends in six months, we still have to go through okay. the presidential election. You want it the good news? It doesn't seem so bad. Good news? Sure, I'll take the good okay. news. Okay, the good news is for for some of you out there um, that you know have your reasons, and I don't know what those reasons are, but whatever they may be, Trump will be out of office in January. That's true. He will. <laughs> he won't be president anymore if the world ends in six months, right? You'll, there you, you go. Get your you'll get your wish, um, Chaz or Chop will no longer be a problem nobody will have to worry about what to do to solve it
1: yeah i, I like to say the occupation formerly known as Chaz. <laughs> that's that's what i call it that's good <laughs> oh man for
0: some reason this week we've been both what i have it on now we've both been watching the live video feed yeah from from Chaz chop and and i don't know why it's
1: boring as as Well, I think once they realized that there was a webcam there, they all moved. You think that's what happened? I think so, because there was a bunch of tent city and everything Yeah, they're gone, aren't
0: they? I just realized that. I just just realized, looking at it now, there's a guy walking across the street. We're watching it live, uh, live from Chaz. There is a rainbow. They painted the crosswalk in a rainbow, which I'm assuming is for Pride Week, and then they wrote BLM over it. Guy riding a bicycle across that. And then uh, there's the barricades. Anyway, we've been watching that all week. So, so that will no longer be a problem. There will no longer be okay. unsolved murders that the police can't get to, fires that the fire department can't get to.
1: No need to be in that area and call 911. Well, and and
0: they won't need a guard. No. They won't need to feed anybody. and And so, as I said last week and... They still stand by. Nobody will actually have to do anything about it because it won't be here. (laughs) See, But you know what? The best part of that is the best news of the world ending in six months is I don't think you're ready for this. I'm looking at you and I don't think you're I don't think you're sufficiently jazzed for this. There we go. That's better. Okay, better. Racism will end. (laughs) Oh, there you go. This is how we end
1: racism. That's exactly
0: Right. I away, think that's right? the
1: only way it's truly going to end. Yeah.
0: Well, you, you, you know, people people are already typing on their. and already hear them, right? how can you say that? Well, I mean, realistically speaking, that's really the only way you're going to end racism is to destroy everything. Yes. You're not going to end it. With slogans, you're not going to end it with webcams. You're not going to end it with forcing people to recite your phrases. The only way to end racism, unfortunately, is to destroy everybody. Kill, if everybody's dead, then there's no more racism. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Either that, or uh, for those Christians and in, in the room, you know, Jesus comes back. That that'll be the way to end it. See, now well, that's, that's not of in the, the world agenda. anyway.
0: Yeah, that's not too. in the agenda for the Mayan calendar or for the. The, yeah, uh, they kind
1: of missed that part, didn't they? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of—I mean, we believe the
0: Messiah is going to come, but I don't, I don't think he's going to do much about any of those two problems. I don't yeah. I don't know. It, it all came to me this week. I've been doing a lot of reading, and of course, everybody has been. Um, sure. Some of it has been really good. I got an article the other day from someone who writes a history website that I really like— um, but it was one of those articles that I enjoy, particularly because it really challenged me. OK, these are the reasons you need to be thinking about the, the history of slavery in the United States and how evil it was. Now, I'm I'm not someone who hasn't thought about those things, but at the same time, I liked the way they put this this article together. But it, it bothered me because, once again, it failed on what I consider to be the primary point of the whole thing. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Then the question came to me, and I'm not even sure who asked it to me. Somebody asked me that. Who built the pyramids?
1: Wasn't wasn't it the slave labor for the Egyptians?
0: Well, and see that's the problem. Okay. Modern thinking is that the pyramids had to be built by slaves uh, assuming now, again, you might be one of these people, but I assume that you're not listening to this show if you are, because I'm going to mock you mercilessly if you are. The UFOs did not build them. Okay, <laughs> Graham Hitchcock is not correct. They, 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 they were not built by aliens. I'm not saying it wasn't aliens, yeah. but it wasn't aliens. All right, I got to do my hands right. I'm not saying it wasn't aliens, but it wasn't aliens. <laughs> OK. Yeah. <laughs> but there are people who believe it's for those. You, nobody's seeing the video except for Ron. you. saw, it, but I just, You've seen the yeah, meme, right? Funny. What's that guy's name? I don't even know his name. It does the meme with his hands. And anyway, so I, throw that one out. The modern belief. And, and I think this belief has been reinforced primarily in. Well, since Napoleonic times when people started Champollion and those started studying Egyptology when it became a thing, um, the, the the assumption has been that the pyramids were built by slaves. And this was reinforced, of course, yeah. by the Ten Commandments, the movie. Yeah. With Ewell Brenner and Charlton Heston. Yeah. Who else was in that? Oh, Edward G. Robinson was in that. Okay. And lots of other people. Because it was a massive I'm production. I'm horrible with names. Well, All right. it was a massive production. And, and it was, uh, it's, it's a two-part movie. And, and And for the record, it's a movie full of historical anachronisms. And, and that's a nice way of saying that's a big word for saying screw ups. Um, but it's a beautiful story. And it's one that I really enjoy. And it does get to the main point of the Passover and those kinds of things. So I tend to let that stuff go. But um, it, it reinforces that belief that this pyramids were built by slavery. And of course, how many textbooks say that how many textbooks have that whole thing in there about the slaves built the pyramids and 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 mm-hmm. over the past probably 10 to 15 years, scholarship has challenged that belief that they were built okay. by slaves. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Egyptology, but the question I want to ask is, Does does it really even matter who built them? I mean, if it wasn't the aliens, can we just assume that it was Egyptians using some methodology to yeah. build this? Now, I have no doubt that even... Even if the modern scholarship is correct and the pyramids were built not entirely by slave labor, there's still slave labor involved with it somewhere along the line. And here's the reason, because every society in human history has held slaves. For God's sakes, people, the Torah has instructions for how you're supposed to treat your slaves. Right? Yep. So to simply say that slavery is a stain and only a stain upon the United States is a little short-sighted, in my view. And it brings me back to this question about the pyramids. Does it even matter who built them? Because, is anybody suggesting that because the Egyptians held
1: slaves that we should
0: tear down the pyramids or the Sphinx?
1: No, no one's saying that. Why? Aren't these... Actually, you know, this week, not, not, you know... Egypt aside, I think this week in the news was the first time that I had heard slavery references in Great Britain, where they're tearing down the right. slave-related uh, statues over right. there. The, the, but the that's the first time I had heard them apologize, and then biz- businesses apologize. Was it Lloyd's Bank? Yeah, apologized for their their role in slavery, right? Four hundred and fifty some odd years ago,
0: and mm-hmm. so nobody's tearing down the pyramids. Nobody's tearing down Roman columns in Rome or the, the Colosseum, which was clearly built by slave labor. Nobody is suggesting that we should pull down Greek monuments. What's the difference? Why is. The, I guess that's the question that we're left with. Every civilization on, in the history of this planet has held slaves, every single one of them. Don't send me any text saying, because every single one has. That's a historical fact. It's unarguable. And yet, it seems like for some reason, here in the United States, and and I I understand that there is a reason for it, but I want to start with that. If we're not going to tear down the pyramids, if we're not going to tear down the Sphinx, if we're not going to tear down the Colosseum, if we're not going to tear down the Parthenon, why, number one, why not? And number two, what does that tell us about our interpretations of history? What does it tell us about how we are looking at history as opposed to what we're learning from history? Anything?
1: It, it just seems it seems very nearsighted. Um, they're not they're not thinking beyond the emotional moment of these guys supported slavery and we need to tear down these statues. OK, um,
0: there's actually I, a I guess term- it's how-
1: oh, Go ahead. OK, go ahead. No,
0: I'm go for sure that. Um, no, I insist. Please go ahead. You first. No, you first. There's actually a term for it. It's called presentism. Okay. In uh, anthropology, it's called presentism, where we we tend to view the future. And, and it was it was a remarkable phrase to me because it's something that I've said for years, which is that the biggest histor- the biggest mistake any historian can make is to judge the past by your own cultural values. You, mm-hmm. you can't. You weren't there. You don't have that experience. You don't know why. That, I mean, you can you can comment about it. You can question it. You can say it was wrong morally or whatever. But to judge it, you literally had to be a part of it. And and it's because we don't do that because we look at it with present values and present understandings. We impress or embed our beliefs onto the past, and then we judge the past based on that. Now, yeah. here in the United States. Slavery has been eradicated for less time than it existed. Now, there's debates about how long it existed. Um, if you take the 1619 date to the 1865 date where where the Civil War ended, Juneteenth, what are you looking at? Roughly 250 years-ish. My math is not that bad, but they're not that good. Something so, like that. And, and it's been a little over 150 years since slavery ended. And so I understand why it seems so close to us. I really do. Because my great-grandfather, not my great-great-great-great-grandfather, my Mm great-grandfather, someone who conceivably could have been alive when I was born, he wasn't, but um, he fought in that war. And so there is a connection for us that's close to this. And because of that connection and because so many Americans have that connection to that time period, and because of there was a... um, a revolutionary thing that happened in the 1850s to 1870s that had not happened in our country before that, literacy exploded. Now, my great grandfather, being one of the few exceptions, he could not read or write nor write, but most people could in those in that yeah. era. Many more people than normal could, and journals and diaries and letters just became. I mean, it's the Cambrian explosion. Of literature in the American age. It really is. You can't swing a dead cat on a three foot string without hitting a book that somebody wrote about their experiences during the Civil War era. Right. And so we have all of this connection to that past, whether that whether that writing is. U.S. grants memoirs, whether it's Mm -hmm. Robert E. Lee's, whether it's your grandparents or my grandparents or his grandparents or her grandparents. It doesn't matter. I mean, th- there's such a connection to it because it's the first time we can really feel that with our own families and our own American history. Yeah, my family goes back to the pre-Revolutionary War, but we know nothing about them other than a brief synopsis you know, here and there. But starting with the Civil War, all of a sudden we know, because we've got letters, we've got photographs, Rod photographs started at yes. that point. I can look into the eyes of my great-grandfather, and even though I know it's just pixels on a page, there's a, a connection there, right? And mm-hmm. so because of this, we're able to assume, and yes, I know what the word assume means, that we understand them, Right. And that's, yeah. I think, where we fall off the wagon.
1: It's a dim understanding because even even their writings aren't going to capture everything.
0: Exactly, it's a presentism understanding. We're impressing yes. what we think because I want to think the best of my grandfather, my great grandfather, my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Summer of eighteen sixty-two, walked from Ashdown County, Arkansas, Southern Arkansas, to Rolla, Missouri, to join the Union Army. Now, a Southern boy just turned 18 goes to join the union army in the middle of a, (laughs) from the Confederacy. Um, I like to think that I know the reasons why he did that. And so I anthropomorphize those reasons. I put them on them and I say to him, okay, here's why he did that. And this is what I say. Well, my great grandfather did this because, and I start listening to reasons. Um, he supported the union. He opposed slavery. And by the way, he did not own slaves. He was a very poor sharecropper. Um, I have all of these reasons, Rod, but do I actually know that any of those reasons are true? Not really. For all I know, he saw that $50 bounty and went, that's more money than I'm going to earn in a lifetime. I might as well go join the Union Army. That could be. This has led to, particularly on the southern side, as what's known as the lost cause myth. Have you heard of this? The lost cause no, myth I is... Not. Is the idea that the South was rat. Uh, there was a book a few years ago called The South Was Rat. And it's all about how, you know, the, the federal government has become intrusive and all powerful and suppresses our rights and no longer no longer is limited government. And this is what the South was fighting for, you know. The South wanted all that. And so the South yeah. was right. And and the lost cause is that the South was the second American Revolution and was trying to reestablish the values. Of the founders of our country. Of course, that's complete and utter nonsense, which we also know because they wrote down why they were fighting and it had nothing to do with limited government or, or, or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> Taxes, tea didn't have anything to do with that. They made it very clear that what they were fighting for was they felt that if things continued the way they were, that the Republicans under Abraham Lincoln were going to uh, take their slaves away and they they wanted to fight for the rat state rat to own slaves. To own other people. So this lost cause myth has caused people to look at the South. Unfortunately, I think the Confederacy, let me not say the South, let's say the Confederacy with a, an eye of somewhat positive thinking. We don't look at it as the evil that it really was.
1: Okay. I can see that.
0: So. If I were to say, and this is purely example, please do not send me an email saying, yeah. but if I were to say, you know, Benito Mussolini, well, he's great. He made the trains run on time. What would sure. you think of me? Would you think well, I was and, sane or would you think?
1: Well, so the way, I, the way I see it is that you could be absolutely correct. doesn't mean that you're vouching for him or, or promoting him. But if I said that on Twitter, what would what would be the response? Oh, it would be that, you know, you're a sympathizer and let's cancel him. Yeah. He's a fascist.
0: What yep. if someone were to say things like, you know, Hitler had some great ideas. He just uh, he just got a little carried away with them.
1: <laughs> yeah, they'd be, it'd be, it'd be instantly labeled. And shunned.
0: So, this is kind of an example of how this lost cause myth comes around. Nobody would buy yeah. that. In fact, the person who said that, but Hitler had some great ideas at the beginning and then got a little carried away, someone yeah. actually did say that. Her name was Marjorie Schott. She was the owner oh, of the Cincinnati right. Reds back in the 80s uh, that's for a right. little while longer. And then they decided that Major League Baseball decided, mm, yeah, we don't really need someone that thinks that Hitler was great. And they forced <laughs> her to sell the team. Because nobody bought into the lost cause myth about Nazi Germany. Just like they don't buy into yes. it about Benito and Mussolini. So why do they buy into it about the South? The, the Confederacy. Sorry, I keep saying the South, but the Confederacy. The Confederacy was evil. It was evil. Yes. Okay? Its entire purpose was predicated on the idea that you had the rat to own another person, which is an anathema to us. Even in Scripture... What are we told about slaves? It's almost like, well, it's a necessary thing and you're going to do it anyway. So here's some rules for how to do it, because otherwise you're going to become like the Confederates were. Yeah. Which is a good deal of the Torah anyway. You know, Moses gave you the right to divorce, even though I think your uh, your guy said don't divorce. Right. Yep. But you got some rules for it. Why? Because human nature is what it is. Those rules were not followed. They were not carried out. And yet, through the post-war era, particularly starting around the 1880s and well into the 1950s, this lost cause myth became this idea of somehow or another the South was rat. And if we had just done what the South wanted to do, well, you know, and, and they never sort of mentioned slavery. They kind of slough over that. You know, they don't they don't talk about the fact that Alexander Stevens, the vice president of the Confederacy, gave a speech saying this whole thing is about you want to take our slaves away and we're not going to have that. That's why we started the war shooting at you first. Because of this lost cause myth people, I think people get lost in that and they. We don't know really what we're talking about when we talk about racism and we don't really know what we're talking about when we're talking about systemic racism and those kinds of things in our country, because. Where's there's this, like the myth that the pyramids were built entirely by slaves, it's become a cultural pillar that the South wasn't about slavery, the Civil War wasn't about slavery, it was about states' rights. And so, how can you be against states' rights? I mean, aren't you a Republican? Don't you believe in the Tenth Amendment? Don't you believe in, in liberty and, and limited government? Well, these are all the things that the South wanted, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. But they wanted to continue something that was morally repugnant.
0: And, does, and that outweighs anything else, shouldn't it? Yeah. And this is why uh, the so-called lost cause myth is so dangerous. It really is because it, it, it's predicated on the idea that the South was not either. I keep saying the South, Rod. You need a yeah, buzzer. So every time I say South, you go, <laughs> <laughs> the a Confederacy, <laughs> right, it, it's, based, it's predicated on this idea that the Confederacy was not evil. And yet it was in in everything it did from from the fact that it allowed it was advocating for slavery to the fact that it tried to destroy the Union. Which, you know, 80 years before that, their forefathers, their very forefathers had had fought against Andrew Jackson, one of the most vehement slave owners in history. President Jackson. One of my favorite moments of his vignettes of his was uh, in the 1830s. They the South had started this, and this time I mean the South had started the succession crisis <laughs> where they were threatening to pull out over slavery again. And Andrew Jackson, who was a Southerner, was uh, at some sort of function with John C. Calhoun, who was his vice president, and and Calhoun made a toast to Southern states' rats, it, it, which again is code word for slavery, and yes. and how. The, the we must defend our state's rights, even if it means, you know, shooting at our brothers against brothers. And Andrew Jackson stood up with his glass and said his, his simple toast was you the president of the United States says the union. It must be preserved. There you go. And they said that John C. Calhoun was so scared. He thought Jackson was going to kill him on the spot. That's <laughs> <He was> faking <laughs> as he sat down. We, we've become so caught up in this lost cause myth that we've lost focus on the experiential uh, story of what people went through and have gone through since. And I think that's part of the problem. This, um, this was driven home to me again this week because we don't know our history, Rod. We don't know. No. It, it's not that we've forgotten it. It's, we don't know it. We were talking yeah. last week about the, the $10 thing, the $10 guy. Yes. Was that last week? I, they all run together. I don't remember anymore. While. Yes. <laughs> um, so this guy and we, and we talked about the fact that he appeared to be Native American, and that was based solely upon his dress and mannerisms. I don't yes. know that he was Native American, but it was intriguing to me to learn this week. And I, I guess I didn't know this. I, I didn't know. At the time of the Civil War, there were considered to be five civilized tribes of Native Americans in America. I don't know if you knew okay. that. I did they not all resided in what would eventually be it was known at the time as indian territory it would become the state of oklahoma okay so all five of these tribes were sent there trail of tears uh, the, the methodology by which we got them there is hideous and every but every bit as much a stain on our national honor as anything else um but when the war started the union the union government basically said leave them out of this they're not part of this the Confederate government sent a envoy to the five tribes. He had been their attorney representing them before the Supreme Court and everything else before that point. He was actually from Massachusetts, but he was <laughs> pro-slavery, pro-Southern. And so he became he actually became a Confederate general. And he was sent by the Confederate government to these five tribes to try to convince them to join the war on the side of the Confederacy. One of the tribes told them to kiss off. They didn't want anything to do. This is your problem. You go deal with it. We're not dealing with it. Yeah. But two of the other tribes said, we have a vested interest in this. The two tribes that bordered Texas and Arkansas, because these tribes, these Native American tribes were slaveholding. And so Uh they had a vested interest in a Southern victory, a Confederate victory. So they joined the Confederacy officially. You'll, you, you don't read about that. You don't read about the fact that Native American tribes were slaveholding, black slaveholding in America in the 1850s and 60s.
1: No, you don't hear anything about you that. You
0: hear nothing of this. And yet, what do we see happening in Chaz? Do you think that if any of the people there knew that history or understood that history, would they have listened to that guy say? <laughs> would they have asked that guy, did you hand over ten dollars?
1: No, (laughs) they might very well have. But we're so they don't care what tribe you're from.
0: No, they don't. But we're so focused on myth and lack of experiential understanding of things that we don't really understand what's going on. And so we presentism, presentize, presentize everything that's happening today. And I'm left with the question. If every vestige of the Confederacy is, is expunged, everything, and by the way, General Pike, who was the guy that they sent, had a statue sure. in Massachusetts. Why? Because he was also a Freemason, and the Freemasons built a statue of him honoring his Freemason oh, service. Well, that makes but was, sense. But he was a Confederate general who tried to, he was a terrible general, by the way, who tried to get the the Native American tribes to join the Confederacy to fight against, to
1: preserve slavery. <laughs> It was all a Freemason, uh, you know, conspiracy.
0: <laughs> well, over the past few years, people have said, hey, Freemasons, do you, what do you think of this? And the Freemasons have kind of said, look, dude, that, was, that was 80 years ago. We didn't have anything to do with it. Um, yeah. And so the statue came down this week. But if every vestige of the Confederacy is expunged, will that change any of the myths, any of the understandings, any of the mis- m- misknowledging of the no. past?
1: No, it doesn't change anything.
0: How many people even know what they're looking at when they go to a statue of Albert Pike or, as you brought up, the statue of the guy in in London? How many people even know what they're looking at? Uh,
1: I would be surprised if it's 10 percent.
0: I'd be surprised if it was 1 percent. But, I mean, we drive down the highways. You see these signs on the highways, right? Uh, Historical marker ahead. Yep. How many people actually stop at those?
1: Uh, we used to stop at him a lot more than we do now. I mean, right. when we had young kids right. and we were homeschooling. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> but you're a rarity. I'm a history yeah. nut. And I used to beg my father to stop at these things when we would travel. And sometimes he would. Usually it was based on whether or not he needed to stretch his legs or not. Yeah. How many people even actually know what they're looking at? And because of that, how many people understand what is being said to them? For example, if I threw a phrase at you, the John Brown Gun Club.
1: I, uh, you know, apart from hearing them briefly in the news this week, I wouldn't un- wouldn't have understood who I, they are or what they were.
0: John Brown was an abolitionist in Virginia in 1850s. Yeah. He was a violent abolitionist. He was he was someone who believed that slavery was was so evil that it had to be destroyed physically. He okay. uh, was highly active in the Kansas Wars. You know whether Kansas okay. should be a free slave or slave state. Many people died in that, um, and he's most famous for his slave revolt at Harper's Ferry in the eighteen fifties, at which uh, he led a bunch of slaves in a revolt. They were going to take they were going to take the armory at Harper's Ferry and free the slaves across the nation. And the general, the colonel at that time, who was sent by the United States Army to put down his little revolt, was Colonel Robert E. Lee of the United States Army. <laughs> John Brown, this abolitionist, who's whose memory the union troops used to sing about when they would march you ever heard this song dun dun da dun, da dun, da oh yeah john so brown's yeah. body lies a moulder in the grave john brown's oh, okay. body lies that's what they would sing as they would march honoring john brown and his commitment to ending slavery okay okay now you have a organization known as the john brown gun club so what's your immediate assumption as to what and who they are
1: well, they would seem to be conservative abolitionists that are wanting to bear arms.
0: And this is the problem with yeah. historical presentism, isn't it? Yeah. Because while the John Brown Glug Club is, in fact, very pro-Second Amendment, they are not pro-Second Amendment for the purposes of protecting your, yourself, as, as the Supreme yeah. Court said in Heller. For self-protection, they are pro Second Amendment because they want to have the guns to inflict their socialist, Marxist, uh, anti-capitalist views on the yeah. rest of the world. And this is the erstwhile police force in Chaz right now. Yeah, but they have signs that say "John Brown Gun Club," and so conservatives or anybody else that doesn't really know anything about history would look at that and go, "Wait, well, what's wrong with that?" <laughs> I mean, they're a pro-Second Amendment, just like we are. Yeah. You see the danger with the myths? Do You see the danger when we don't understand the experiential element of this? That article, I'll, I'll link it up in the in the notes for today's show because I want you to read it. And I don't want to give you my response to it because I want your responses to it. DNR at the Dave Bowman Show dot com. And, and I, I want to see what you think about this. And I want you to read it with, a, with an honest, open mind. Don't just go, well, I know I'm going to disagree with it, so I'm. He's yeah. going to scheme it because that's part of the problem. That's presentism. You've already made up your mind. You've already decided that the myth yeah. is what you've decided that it is. And I think that this is part of the problem. And I think, I mean, I know I'm just a white guy sitting, you know, in, in Silverdale, Washington, Rod. But I think if we had more of these kinds of conversations like like this author started, there yeah. might be better ground to talk about these things because the myths are so pervasive the myths are so pervasive rod that the state of mississippi put a confederate battle flag on its state flag in the 1950s uh, oh, oh, oh. why because they were fighting for states rats and what was the state rat that they wanted to protect in the 1950s well it couldn't have been slavery nope, that was couldn't done have been slavery so what was it civil rights segregation yep they believe that they should be able to segregate themselves. Well, that was uh, a generation ago. That's what our parents went through. Mm-hmm. And in our generation, in my time, Rod, the state of Georgia, which also had a Confederate battle flag on its on its flag for many years, uh, was compelled to change that because, let's face it, the Confederate battle flag is a symbol of either slavery or segregation. Depending on. And that's why it was added to the flag was to support segregation. And so they did. They changed the flag. And their initial their initial flag looked great. I mean, it really did. I got I got to admit, it was pretty cool looking. But do you know what it was? I don't. You ever heard the phrase stars and bars? Yeah. Now, most people think that that's the Confederate cross, the the, the Southern cross. That's not. The stars and bars was actually the first official national flag of the Confederacy. This is the flag that Georgia changed its flag to from the Confederate battle flag with the state seal of Georgia up in the left-hand corner. Oh, nice. Instead of the the 11 stars that they had, they put the... And everybody went, yay, wait. (laughs) (laughs) So it's still there. These myths are still there, and these... This idea that it was just a a lost cause and it was somehow or another this myth that we should buy into is still there. And I I think that's the problem. And and we're on. How do I say this politely? Us white folk have got to get past that. We've got to get past these myths of lost causes and those kinds of things. Or we're never going to have that conversation. We're never going to be able to say to each other. With any legitimacy, hey, what about my feelings? If we're if we're if our feelings are still based on mythology. Yeah. And where I'm at.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's deeply ingrained in those areas. Uh, and so that it's, it's really a hard one to, to get over. I mean, it's even, even having grown up in California, you know, we heard about some of that stuff and we don't have that same feeling, I guess. Um, at least we didn't in the Bay Area and, and here in the Central Valley. Now there are there is racism here in the Central Valley, but at the same time, uh, it's it's not the way it is in the in the South.
0: Um, oh no! And so, it's uh, not. Yeah, it's it's not. Nor is it like um, nor is it like it is in the Northeast. I was stationed for some time in the Northeast, and mm-hmm. racial animosity in the Northeast was probably the worst I'd ever seen it. I mean, hands down. Really, and I never could figure out why. But the only thing I can figure is it's based in some lost myth somewhere that I don't understand, and that's part of the problem. But I don't know. We'll. Uh, I, I don't know that we're going to make any progress, even if every every vestige of slaveholding in the history of the earth is expunged. How does that change minds?
1: It doesn't. It doesn't.
0: It can't. Albert Pike's statue was torn down and set on fire, which, I don't know, to me, for some reason, is kind of amusing. I don't know how you set a statue on fire, but they did. Um,
1: lighter fluid. <laughs> what happens when the lighter fluid burns off? I mean, the yeah,
0: thing's either know. made out of stone or metal, right?
1: It is, yeah. And so it's still going to be there. When
0: it's and it's Freemasonry, <laughs> so it's probably stone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you can burn stones. I know you can do that. How do I know that? Go ahead and ask me.
1: Okay, Dave, in your vast experience, how do you know about burning stones? When the Romans destroyed
0: Jerusalem in 70 CE, they poured water all over the stones of the temple. They soaked the stones with as much water as they could, lit fires at the bottom of the water, boiled inside the stones, and basically blew the stones
1: apart. Genius. So I wonder if that's what they did to Albert Pike. I somehow doubt that. <laughs> that know. means they would have had to have learned from history, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's part of the problem. What do you think? DNR at the Dave
0: Bowman dot com. I will link that article up. I think it's a fascinating article, Rod. It, it just it, it's one of those articles that mm, the the title of it is. This is why you need to remember the enormous scars of slavery, and it comes from something called the Raven Report, which is a, an interesting website to me. It's a, it's a website that deals with um, the dark sides of history, I guess, or okay. the, anything else. And it's pretty cool, and I, I I've enjoyed it. I don't always agree with it, and and the fact that I read something or post something or share something it does not endorse it. It just says I think this is interesting. You might want to read it. And, yeah get to some of those things as well
1: well guess what time it is rod it is a special time in the broadcast well and (laughs) and we're waiting we're waiting and we're walking
0: (laughs) okay what the heck
1: well well oh there it is sorry i got it figured out i think all right we'll see
0: it's Rod. No. So uh, not, just, <laughs> come on. Really? Really? This is technical Every interlude week, is, there, is brought to you by... It's Beer of
1: the Week. And this week, we are visiting the Heretic Brewing Company for a nice, juicy, New England-style double India pale ale, double IPA. It's called You Can't Handle the Juice, and it is very juicy, very tasty. And and again, coming from someone who doesn't really care for IPAs all that much, the bitterness is really not all that there. It was really good and juicy.
0: Mm. So it's a double IPA.
1: It's a double IPA, it's twice New England style. the IPA style. of a regular one. Yeah, so I, <laughs> the Scotsman's going to listen to this. He's like, yeah, "You know, you dolt! You spent how many how much time with me? You didn't learn a thing."
0: Well, you did send <laughs> us a note this week about IPAs and oils boiling off, and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of got lost. He's in very the rest much of it, into so. it. He's very technical into it. I just enjoy <laughs> drinking him.
0: <laughs> but it's very juicy. What kind of juice? It is. Um, it's citrusy. Yeah. IPAs are primarily citrus juice.
1: Well, I mean, they taste like, yes, citrus juices, but uh, it was very, very, very juicy mouthwatering. It was good. Watering. Yes.
0: Mm. I've been drinking coffee. It's Father's Day. So I got my Father's Day gift on Friday. Oh, did you? Which is, which makes no sense because today is Father's Day, but I got my Father's Day gift on Friday, which turned out to be this giant pack of, uh, Death Wish coffee stuff. There you go. That's cool. What I a cool mug. Two coffee mugs that have uh, coffee sayings on them. This is my favorite. I'm not sure how many coffees it takes to be happy, but so far it's not 12. <laughs> and then I got a couple of packs of, uh, of Death Wish coffee, which is, um, you know, it's interesting stuff because it's double caffeine. Okay. Which I don't know why people get – remember? do you remember Jolt Cola back in the 80s? I do.
1: Everybody, That was
0: this advertised. twice the sugar, all the all the caffeine and twice the sugar or twice yeah. the sugar and all the caffeine or whatever. Anyway, uh, I used to drink that because I don't know. I thought I was cool or something. Uh, mm-hmm. This is double caffeinated, which is no big deal to yeah. me because I've been drinking Starbucks double caffeinated for years anyway. OK, because I'm not addicted to caffeine. I can quit anytime I want. I just yeah. choose not to. Yeah, and but this is really good. I mean, it's very smooth. It's some of the smoothest coffee I've ever tasted. I mean, really, it it just about you know, with temperature notwithstanding, you can just about suck this straight down. Really, I may have to try some. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. So she got me a couple bags of that, a couple coffee mugs. Even got a sticker for my truck, which my daughter took to put on her truck. So what?
1: Happy Father's Day!
0: (laughs) My daughter just bought a big Ford four-door, full-size, full-bed, F-something Ford truck. Okay. They find disappointing because, obviously, I'm a Chevy guy. But, anyway, she's uh, – <laughs> I said to her the other day, you're kind of rednecking that truck out, are you? And she got real mad. She said, I am not a redneck. Okay, but <laughs> you do have a flag stand on the back of your truck, so. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyway, that's what I, I, should, I got for Father's Day. We should,
1: we should get the uh, state of Jefferson flag to give her. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> pretend state of Jefferson.
0: How come we're not the official show of the pretend state of Jefferson?
1: I, you know, I don't know. But, you know, realistically, that's another part of the bad news is that the state of Jefferson would never be around if the Rods. world ended. Never going to be anyway. <laughs> come on, Dave.
0: There's hope. <laughs> hope for what? That they can continue uh, to pretend to be a state? I guess so, yeah. I mean, I guess that's one way to do it, right? I have a picture of her truck that I was trying to send you, but I can't find it. What did you get for Father's Day? How was your Father's Day?
1: Uh well, my you wife had to remind cool. my kids, my two youngest. <laughs> my oldest sent a text, which was good. Right. Um, so we haven't done the whole card thing yet. I am smoking meat for Father's Day, though. I am smoking some uh, chuck rust. Yes. Okay,
0: you're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me more than that. I mean, I I, I like to grill. What yes. I really like to do is use my my um, cast iron skillet. Okay. Yeah. But the smoking thing always confuses me because I walk by the the Home Depot when I'm pretending I have skills. Okay. And they Have a, they have a meat smoker and a grill? And the grill yes. is like four ninety nine, and the meat smoker is like four fifty nine, and I'm like, what's the, I'm ignorant of this. What's the difference here?
1: So the difference is when, when you're smoking meat, you typically smoke it at a lower temperature for a longer period of time. And you're for me, I have a propane smoker. So I'm having I soak wood chips and uh, you end up smoking the the wood chips. They end up burning off and they release, of course, the, the flavor of the chip. So right, today is hickory. Um, up into the meat and you're, you slow cook the meat at a low temperature over like today is going to be six to eight hours of cooking and the meat gets super tender and super, uh, rich in flavor. It's really, really good.
0: Is it, is it worth buying a separate thing for it? I mean, can you not do well, that? With so, a, you can't do that with a grill then, can you?
1: Um, well, yeah, you really can't. I mean, you, you could, if you had a charcoal grill, you could try and, and offset it, which I've tried in the past, um, the, the newer smoker grills there 's a brand called Traeger out there that I uh, have a number of people I work with that swear by them because they 're stove they 're pellet grills pellet smokers and so they can set a timer and they put they feed the pellets in there and they have an app on their phone that tells them how it 's doing so it 's really hands free in many ways <laughs> for me it 's a lot more manual in fact i 'm sitting here thinking my 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 meat could be overcooked right now, or overcooking is the temperature. I can't see that the temperature is right now. you need a break? But, I mean... No, no, no. I'm uh, fine. We're good.
0: Can you imagine what out. our forefathers would have thought 100 years ago? Yeah. Your cell phone <laughs> did what? Your, your <laughs> phone is cooking your meat? In my day, we didn't have these fangled gadgets. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> I sent you a picture of, the, of her truck with a okay. flag on it so you can see that Oh, go. beautiful. Is that not out? W- yeah. What's so it's 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 kind of a black
1: American yeah, it's flag. A, with... It's
0: a blue line, red line flag. OK, because she supports the police. Well, the blue line flag is the, for the police. Sure. The blue and line. Her yeah. intended is a police law enforcement person. And okay. the red is for nurses. which Of course, her mother is a nurse. OK, so there you go.
1: All right. I learned something new today.
0: I I had to learn it too. I mean I knew what the blue one was. I'd never seen the red one, but there you go. So on we move. The binge is up next. Rod, this is weird because I really haven't watched anything this week. I have been Korean I, I, baseball. I, I'm watching Korean baseball even as we speak, but I'm I don't consider that binging anymore because I watch baseball all the time. Um yeah. but as far as just a show goes. I've been yeah. really trying to get away from television. I really have been. I don't know what... I, I I've You've seen what I've been doing in the backyard for the last...
1: I, I have been trying to use your electric mower to mow the lawn. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I killed
0: the battery. Did I tell you that? I absolutely killed you, the battery.
1: You, you killed killed it. I
0: The batteries, they're lithium-ion batteries. And do you know that if you drain a lithium-ion battery behind, below a certain point, you can't recharge it?
1: Did not know it, that. It
0: goes in what's called hibernation mode. And you have to have a an alternate way of getting it to, to charge up just enough to get it out of that so you can put it on the charger to recover. And I don't have that methodology. So I had to go buy another battery, which Ouch. I wasn't going to do when I found out how much it was because it literally cost two-thirds as much as the entire mower did. Sure. <laughs> but they weren't on the shelf, and I made the guy find it. There were four of us there looking for these batteries on the same day at the <sighs> same time. And they didn't have them on the shelf. They we made this guy climb up to. If you've been in the Home Depot, you know they got like five Mm -hmm. layers. He had to go to the very top one of these, dig through a box to find these things. He finally finds and brings them down, and (laughs) the one girl says, "There, how much? I'm not buying that." Oh, after he got them down. And I thought (laughs) I gotta buy this because I made him do all that. So so my binging this week has been the backyard, okay, which has been we. I swear to God, we're still only three fourths of the way done with it, and that's with my wife and I with a weed whacker out there, which was an entertaining thing too, is watching yeah. us try to restring a weed whacker because neither oh, yeah, of those, us have any skills. Royal
1: pain. Yeah,
0: she's you know, we're watching YouTube videos <laughs> again. Can you imagine my grandfather? You're watching it. You know, what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to reload the weed whacker, and I can't see it. My vision is so poor that I can't see. The markings on the thing. So she has to do it. And then uh, and then we go out there. And of course, with my other ha- problems, I can't really hold the thing. And anyway, so uh, I watched my wife weed whack about half the backyard, Okay, which is the best way to do it. For those of you who may be sure wondering how to be misogynist this week, watch your wife weed whack the backyard whilst you drink a cold beverage.
1: There you go. What you been watching? Heretic, heretic beering. Um, <laughs> so I've been watching. We we we. I think we finished up Ozark with season three of Ozark. So we're we're done with that. Uh, went back to Space Force. Uh, started watching. Uh, got got through episode six, which is pretty funny. Which I've heard is good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was entertaining. It's it's getting there. Mm. Well, so that one important. featured Malkovich. So you're going to want to watch yeah, that one day. I like John Malkovich. I want to be
0: John Malkovich. Somebody Good. should make a movie like that. <laughs> the mind of John Malkovich. Isn't there one already? Yeah. Hey, guys. A couple of things. This is from uh, Jonathan down in uh, Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Number, thing number one, what will become Stone Mountain? For those of you who don't know, Stone Mountain is the Confederate National Cemetery, National Monument. Okay. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. It's in Stone Mountain, Georgia, actually. And it is a big, giant granite rock. I mean, and when I say big, I mean... Mass, It's a mountain. Okay. But it's one piece of granite that they, some years ago, carved Robert E. Lee, Thomas Stonewall Jackson, and Jefferson Davis on the side of. And they have light shows and laser shows and that kind of stuff. And what will become of that? I don't know. I really don't know what will become of Stone Mountain. I... I have some ideas, but I don't know. He says, yes, I live in Mississippi, but no, I have no love for the Confederacy. I don't know a single person down here who even gives it a thought. And that's true. I think there's a lot more attention paid to Confederate history by people who don't live there. That's been my experience. Probably. uh, Across the board. Thing number two, Rod, and this is applying to you, he's headed to Modesto on Thursday. He'll be out here until July or out there until July 16th. And he would like to bring you something. To be the beer of the week that's brewed okay. in Mississippi.
1: So I, w- I would love that. Uh,
0: so you guys get together and I've sent you his email. So you guys look uh, okay. up and see how that works to, sure. to get that. I'll reach out. Which brings us to the Patrick Krebs Memorial Listener of the Week Award.
1: Ta-da. We need a clip or some know, kind of I, audio I for that. I told
0: Alex to do that, but I did it on the show. And since our listening was down 13% last week, it's very possible that Alex didn't didn't catch what I told him to do. Okay. But he did some other things for me that are unrelated to this, so, so I can't really <laughs> criticize. So we have three nominees. You ready? Sure. The first nominee is the Scotsman. Okay. Who I automatically rejected because even though he's a nominee, his texts were insane. <laughs> so congratulations <laughs> like, on the nomination. The rest of it, I don't know, man. Have you seen his... You see what he looks like now?
1: Yeah, he's, he's Gandalf the Gray.
0: <laughs> he's Gandalf the insane. He looks like... <laughs> never mind. He looks like he's been out in the wilderness for. A year
1: yeah, he's or his his beard. He's been growing his beard now for over a year, and so it's it's pretty long. It's it's really long.
0: So anyway, he's a nominee, but no, I okay. just decided no. To- Second nominee comes from Jonathan because uh, he did send us an, an email and did yeah. offer to bring you the beer of the week.
1: And oh, yeah, that's that's good. I need to reach out to him. Right.
0: But as usual, our, our nominee has to go beyond above and beyond that. And as our listenership was down 13 percent this week, that's especially important to have someone who is really doing his or her part to advance the show, as it were. Right. OK.
1: Yeah. Dedication. It's, it's got to be
0: got to be somebody that's downloading the show who's commenting and this particular person let me know that not only did he download the show on multiple devices but he made his wife listen to it <laughs> so there's that you did you made your wife listen to it didn't yeah
1: you? my i had my wife listen to it as well yeah and and her reaction was she thought it was good i mean she's, she's that very like, <laughs> she's she's she, <laughs> Yeah, okay. She's very even keel. She's one of those even keel people that doesn't show a lot of emotion one way or the other. So it's like, yeah, it was good. You realize that just knocked you out of running, right? Did it? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. If you had told me your wife was just ecstatic and, and was really enjoying it, I would, have, I would have given you the
1: due consideration. But Okay. Well.
0: You can blame your wife for, for costing you the award.
1: Okay. I, I will on Father's Day. I'll go in there. You
0: nope. cost me this. <laughs> no, nope. this person is a, a person who, who did everything that we asked him to do, including uh, defending our honor. In a week where our listenership was down 13%. I don't understand that. How does our listenership go down 13%? I have no clue. I mean, we're we're back down to the mid-double digits again.
1: I don't know. I and mean, we were pushing Tolos, too. No, we
0: were. We were pushing Tolos. We were pushing all this stuff. By the way, I, I didn't get the ad to, I need to get that done. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the the winner of this week's Patrick Krebs Memorial Listener of the Week award goes to
1: drum roll.
0: Well, who else would it be? It's Patrick Krebs.
1: Dun dun dun.
0: Congratulations, Patrick! You know what we need to do? Congratulations. So we need to take a picture of each of us. Yeah. So you, you use a solid background like like you got over there with yep. us like holding like pretending to hold something and it will Photoshop a trophy into that. And then we'll let that be awesome. Then we'll let you post that on your page and saying, I was the, I was the Patrick Krebs Memorial listener of the week award and twice in a row. Well done, Patrick. We love you. And we're ready to believe you. We, We are. Well, it being father's day, Rod, I thought we would close with, with the weekly wisdom. We leave you with segment. Okay. Weekly Wisdom We Leave You... There's got to be more W's. W-W-W-L-Y-W. Let's uh, what, what, see. Weekly Wisdom We Leave You... with. Anyway. <clears throat> Thought we would close with this because it's Father's Day. Yeah. And we're both fathers. And so, let us go back in history to a man who, as far as I know, did not own slaves, but lived in a society that did. And that's okay. important to remember. Aristotle... Ah, there you go. Being a father is the most rewarding thing a man whose career has plateaued can do. (laughs) And speaking of someone whose plateaued career is probably on its downside, I love being a dad. I'm Dave.
1: And I'm Rod.
0: And we'll see you next week for Do Not Resuscitate. Do Not Resuscitate is a Slippery Fish production for the Dave Bowman Show dot com.